Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome in to this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's Anthony Pagnotta back with you guys as always. And tonight we are talking some recruiting. So that means Zach Hubbard is back with me. And for the first time in a while, we get to talk a Carolina commitment. It is again in the 2021 class. We thought that the 2022 class may produce the next commitment, but Carolina ends up wrapping up a commitment that they really wanted in this 2021 class in another in-state prospect. So we'll talk about that. We've got a couple of other guys on the 2021 trail that we are going to talk about tonight. And then we'll close by talking just a little bit about some of the guys in that 2022 class. But first, as I mentioned, we're going to talk about Bryson Nesbitt, the commitment that Carolina just landed the other day in the 2021 class. The three-star tight end from Charlotte, North Carolina, comes from South Mech High School, rated as the number 16 tight end in the country, the number 22 prospect in the state of North Carolina. Last year, more than 500 yards and five touchdowns as a junior, but that was his first year of playing football. This is a guy that had jumped onto the scene uh, in the offseason of last year, uh, even before he had taken a snap on the field. Everybody was very impressed with his size. One of those guys that was a basketball first guy, made the move to football, people jumped on him really quickly. Carolina was one of the ones that uh, was in the running for him for most of the way. South Carolina was the team that had the advantage because his dad, a guy that a lot of Panther fans around here probably know, Jamar Nesbitt, used to play for South Carolina. But the Tar Heels battled back in this recruitment and now have a tight end commit in this class. And, you know, a while back, Zach, we were talking about, you know, positions that Carolina needed to add somebody in this class. Tar Heels are losing Garrett Walston after this season. And he is going to graduate, and it appears that he is going to move on. So, you know, this is uh, this is a big addition for the Tar Heels. Nesbitt's a little bit raw, but this is a guy that a lot of people feel could eventually become the Tar Heels' best receiving tight end uh, since Eric Ebron, something they've just been lacking since Ebron left campus. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you look at um, the guys that they have on the roster right now, you obviously obviously have Garrett Walston, who's been used primarily as a blocker. You have Mario Morales that's, you know, got some snaps, but is only a redshirt freshman. And then you've really got just two other tight ends and freshmen, John Copenhaver and Kendall Carr. Maybe we see an additional move from, you know, a Jefferson Boaz down the line, but as of right now, the assumption is that he is still sticking with quarterback for this time. So, you know, it is not a very deep room and it is a very young room. And they're looking for someone to step up there. Uh, I mean, when you look at sort of how the targets have been distributed, it's mainly the wide receivers and running backs that are getting the majority of that. And so it would be a great addition uh, to add a tight end to this Phil Longo offense, especially one that can be a receiving threat. Um, if you look at the type of guys in this office already that North Carolina likks to use, they like to use the Daz Newsom type, the smaller sort of slot or scat back receiver that can you know make plays in space. They like guys like Deami Brown that are more downfield threats, but um, a, a guy that they really liked a lot, what they've somewhat lacked a little bit this past year is a, a big-bodied red zone threat such as your Bo Corrales. And while Nesbitt isn't necessarily the same exact type of player as Corrales, one's a wide receiver, one's a tight end, um, it would really be a great, great option to have a guy like Nesbitt uh, that's going to function not only as a standard blocker, as a tight end, but as a you know a short yardage or red zone receiving threat. I mean, you look at him from a physical background, uh, listed at 6'6", 235. He's definitely got that length to go up and get the football. Uh, but also you see just the out-and-out athleticism. I think he was initially a basketball player as an athlete, so has sort of that background. You see a lot of these tight ends nowadays that have that, you know, that basketball background, have that background of athleticism that allows them to uh, not necessarily have track speed, but, you know, to get down the field and to, and to make plays in the open field with the football and go up to get the football. I think, you know, from the tight end position, like you mentioned, that's what they've been lacking, and that's sort of what Bryson Nesbitt, um, all things going well, can offer. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, the red zone is is where he's going to thrive the most. I, I'm not 100% sure that this guy is going to be able to turn into an Eric Ebron type of player. Eric Ebron was just a really special player. He's still a guy that, you know, at, at times he, he goes missing in Pittsburgh's offense, but he's still a guy that he's shown even with the Steelers this year. It, you know, he's he can handle being those, those types of receiving tight ends like Travis Kelsey, like, uh, like Greg Kittle, guys that play a huge role in your offense. Carolina hasn't really had that in a while, but you know I, I think the the good thing is is that you don't necessarily need him to be that guy. This is not a move where you're telling him when he comes in, look, we need you to be special. If he turns out to be special, great. But this is a guy that's very raw. Um, that's one of the big reasons why they're going to want to they're going to want to utilize him uh, as much as they can when he gets on campus is because he is not going to be stuck in his ways like some of these other guys that you know have been playing tight end for their entire peewee career or whatever up until they got into high school. This is a guy that is going to at the most probably play two years of high school football. I think he probably should play at South Mech this year. Now that's a team that um, you know is is 
kind of up and down in the Charlotte area. I mean, these past couple of years, they haven't been great. But many will remember that's where Jake Lawler came from when Jake Lawler was on that team. They were a good football team. They were a team that you know could win seven, six, seven games consistently a year. Um, so I think that there's a lot that goes into his recruitment. I think that it's it's a big land. But the other thing is, is you've got to sort of temper your expectations until he can get on campus and sort of show us exactly what he's going to be at the college level. But I do think that similar to what we saw before the two ACL injuries that ended his career, he could be similar to what Brandon Fritz brought to this offense his first few years in Carolina's offense. So uh, I think that that's uh, the main thing that you've got to look forward to for Nesbitt. Um, you know, you, you look at his size, uh, he's he's got a pretty good frame. So I think that Carolina will be able to put a lot, you know, a decent amount of weight on him, similar to what they did with Garrett Walston, similar to what they'll do probably with some of the other guys. Kendall Carr is probably a guy that will end up putting on the weight. I don't know about Copenhaver. He looks like more of the athletic tight end type, uh, similar to uh, Ebron or Evan Ingram, who uh, one, at one time played uh, at Ole Miss just before Phil Longo got there. Um, those are the types of, receipt of tight ends that I think everybody's wanting, but this offense has clearly worked with the type of tight ends that we've seen over the last couple of years that you know can help you at times when you need a receiving threat, but are mainly there to help you in the run game. And I think that uh, as long as Nesbitt can come in, get some experience, because he hasn't done a lot of it when he's been at South Mech, he's a guy that they split out wide a lot of the time. Um, so it is going to be a challenge for him. But if he can get in there, learn, I think he has the potential uh, to be a really good player. You know, um, I think, you know, when, when you look at this class now overall, and that's, you know, kind of where I want to turn this to uh, here for just a second. You know, Carolina just continues to get the job done in state. 14 of the 18 commitments that Carolina has in this class are in the state of North Carolina. It's actually 15 if you go ahead and count Kobe Paysauer, which most people will do, including us, um, because, I mean, again, he transferred for his senior year, transferred down to Gaffney High School in South Carolina, but that was a move that would not have been made if everything was normal with COVID-19. So, I mean, again, we talked about building a fence around the state of North Carolina. I don't know if we thought that it would be at this level. I mean, it's just remarkable how good of a job this staff has done to land not only talent from in-state, but the top talent in the state. Yeah, and I, I think what another thing that I want to mention is if you look at not only the quantity of guys that they've got from in-state, if you want to look at the quality here, I mean, you go down the list of the North Carolina commits, let's look here. 11 of the 14, and like you mentioned, 15 if you wanted to add pace hour, 11 of those 15 guys are four and five star commits. Our blue chip commits with their there's roughly um, you know 300 to 50 you know 350 in the nation so right. obviously not only you see where North Carolina has capitalized on this in-state talent but just the state of North Carolina which you know people have known for a while that it's a talent producer but this year in particular is just lights out in terms of the in-state guys and it's it's really phenomenal that North Carolina has been able to capitalize in such a uh, you know, historic year for North Carolina talent. 
Yeah, and I mean, the whole class, you know, the, the class as a whole, I mean, you look at it, I, you know, I usually, you know, I know four and five stars are, are where a lot of people go with the blue chip. In my mind, I think in order to be considered a blue chip prospect, I don't think you necessarily have to be a four or five star because I feel like there are some guys that are high end three stars that are legitimate players. We've seen, you know, even when they've come to campus here at Carolina, they've made impacts early on. So I usually like to to look at the top 500 prospects in the country and when it comes to that Carolina out of the 18 commitments that they have 15 are top 500 prospects that is pretty much unheard of for a Tar Heel class normally a lot of the Tar Heel classes that you've seen really outside of last year when you know of course they added Tony Grimes commitment in late so they went from 19th to 13th but really a lot of the other classes were just huge classes where Carolina brought in 25 you know 27 guys even at times uh, and that's how their ranking got as high as it did this is different these are you know it's it's not going to be a huge class in terms of some of the other ones that you're going to see throughout Mac Brown's time on campus, but it has so much talent spread throughout it that it's going to rank as one of the best in program history, if not the best, in the modern modern recruiting era in program history. So, um, you know, I, I think Carolina is is you know somewhat close to being done with this class. Uh, I think they've got you know they've addressed a lot of needs. Their offensive line is an area that needed to get addressed in this class. You got Eli Sutton, you got uh, Diego Pound. So I, there's there's a lot of uh, confidence around that group going forward. Um, on the defensive line, that was another area that again you still had to address. I know that they've been bringing in a lot of talent here over the last few years, but. Keyshawn Silver, guy that now is a, a composite five-star. Uh, you got uh, Javari Ritzy, uh, another big in-state prospect that Carolina was hoping they would be able to land in this class. Uh, Travion Stevenson uh, at weak side defensive end, another pass rusher, so that's going to help you there. Those are the areas where Carolina really needed to get better. Needed some depth at tight end. They got that. Um, you know, Again, needed some a little bit of depth potentially at running back because now a scenario that before the season – we were toying around with just a little bit is starting to look a little more realistic. Um, in Javante Williams and Michael Carter potentially both leaving, you end up getting a guy there, and potentially Caleb Hood could end up moving there um, behind Camaro Edmonds. So uh, Carolina did a really good job in this class, but there are a couple of guys that are still maybe you know on the radar for Carolina. But overall, I think uh, you know just addressing this class where they're at right now, now just 13 days away from the start of the early signing period, I think you've got to feel pretty confident with where this class is in terms of you know their overall ranking, but mainly in terms of addressing team needs. Yeah, absolutely. And like you mentioned, I mean, you look at those top 500 guys, they get all on there. But let's go more towards the um, these other guys that you mentioned. First one, I think that we should look at is one that was a former Tar Heel target, um, committed to the University of South Carolina and then decommitted mm-hmm. after head coach Will Muschamp uh, was let go and that would be um, weak side defensive end or rush linebacker, outside linebacker, whatever you'd like to call it, George Wilson um, many remember sort of you know, was looking like a potential target commit for a long time, ended up sort of moving to South Carolina at the final hour and has now reopened his recruitment 
Um, when you look at it, he did announce the top three here recently, either mm-hmm. today or yesterday. That top three, or final three, rather, uh, is Auburn, Florida State, and North Carolina. Um, has announced a commitment date of and signing date of December 18th. That's during the early signing period. And at the onset, the main sort of leader that we're hearing, all the crystal balls are going towards Auburn. Uh, obviously, you know, well-known SEC power, so that carries some prestige there. And it seems like they're somewhat pushing now from the Auburn side of things. They do feel good. Uh, they also do feel that they um, most likely will still have to show some things in the next couple weeks. Auburn obviously not having a spectacular season as compared to some of their SEC brethren. But, you know, that's where sort of the buzz is right now. Florida State also in there. Florida State's not exactly a great situation either. Um, so North Carolina is kind of this odd man out, at least at the onset. Obviously, they have the buzz going into his first commitment, but um, with the commitment of Trivion Stevenson uh, that we saw enter the class and sort of take that uh, second rush in spot along, potentially alongside Gabe Stevens, um, it, it's really unknown in terms of how much North Carolina is pushing. Um, but it is my opinion that if they were to push, there would certainly be a lot of interest, um, at the very least on both parties, uh, with UNC and with Wilson and potentially having him come back into the fold this second time around. One of the big obstacles that I think's got to be talked about when you talk about George Wilson, talk about Victor, Victor Ibaka, who we'll talk about here in just a second, is you got to start to wonder how much room this roster actually has. Because as we found out yesterday, three Tar Heel scholarship players are coming back next year that are seniors this year. They're going to use the you know, of course before the season the NCAA laid out the ruling that no matter how much time you played this season you would have the option to come back because of the circumstances around COVID-19 and three Tar Heels are expected to take advantage of that as of right now. Bo Corrales at wide receiver Grayson Atkins at kicker but the big one here and one that I think makes this a really interesting conversation around George Wilson is that Tyrone Hopper is expected to come back next year. Now, I wonder if they were feeling a little more confident about George Wilson, wanting to add him to the roster, would they have told Tyrone, look, we understand that you want to come back, but at the same time, we've got some young kids that are trying to join the group here at outside linebacker. We're going to have to make room for them. Um, That's the big concern when you talk about the rest of the guys that Carolina is potentially trying to target. And I think might be a concern in some people's minds about the class as a whole. Now, I don't think that needs to be a concern for the class as a whole. There are going to be some guys that are going to end up transferring. One that we already know is going to end up transferring that's under scholarship is Jace Reuter. Um, It has been known that he is going to be a part of the Senior Day uh, festivities on Saturday against Western Carolina. He's a guy that's already uh, on track to graduate, so congratulations to Jace. He's going to probably end up uh, transferring somewhere back towards the Midwest where he is from. Of course, Carolina went out to Kansas and grab Jace uh, back in the 2018 class, but um, you know there's there's a couple other guys that are going to pop up as well. I know Noah Ruggles is another guy. He's going to end up graduating. He looks as if he's going to move on. So Carolina, there, there's going to be some spots that are going to open up. So for the main part of the class, the 18 guys that are already committed, I'm confident that Carolina is going to be able to 
sign all those guys comfortably and still feel pretty good about where their scholarship limits uh, numbers are at. Um, now, if you add in some of these other guys, that's when the concern starts to show up. Uh, for George Wilson, this is it's an interesting scenario because, as you mentioned, he's got the history with Carolina. Um, it was really, really high on them. Most people were of the belief that if Carolina you know, had been able to get him on campus consistently, if this was a normal offseason, he probably would have been a Tar Heel commit because he was that infatuated uh, with you know just the overall vibe around the 2021 class that Carolina is putting together. But he wasn't able to get on campus. Um, you know, again, Bryson Nesbitt was a guy that wasn't able to or that had been on campus before, but wasn't able to get on campus here recently. He decided to take a self tour, walk himself around. Um, you know, that's an option that recruits are allowed to use, especially at Carolina. Carolina is a public campus, so um, you never know. Maybe George Wilson ends up taking his own visit there, you know, gets a look at, you know, at the outside of the facilities. Again, it's not the same thing as when you go on campus, visit with the staff. That's not allowed right now, but at the same time, you can still walk around, get a feel for it. So it'll be interesting to see if that's something that pops up over the next couple of weeks because it's 15 days till his decision date. He said it today. Uh, it is going to be December 18th, so it is in the early signing period, but is the last day of the early signing period. So that's that's a little interesting. I think that's going to maybe give him a couple of days, um, even during what, what, when the open uh, the early signing period ends up opening up, to sort of weigh his options, look at the classes that he could be entering, figuring out which one is going to work best for him, where he can maybe make the most impact. So that's going to be the biggest thing. And as we've seen with him. If Carolina's interested, they got to push the whole way because South Carolina made a push literally the night of his commitment, um, the, the the eve of his commitment, I should say, and ended up getting him to uh, to commit to them, um, you know, a couple of months ago. So Carolina's got to be in it the entire time. But if Carolina was to land him, and there's another factor that I think you know we have to talk about here with this. This would be really big for Carolina in the state of Virginia because you look at the 2022 class and there are a bunch of major targets in the 22 class that are from the state of Virginia. State of North Carolina is still really good. There's still going to be a lot of guys in the state of North Carolina that the Tar Heels are going to chase after, but it's going to be nowhere near as good as the 2021 class was. So Carolina's got to make some inroads in the state of Virginia. This could be one way that they could go ahead and start that in the 2021 class. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, another prospect that Jerry somewhat mentioned, uh, Victory Baca, a recent decommit from Texas A&M um, opened up his recruitment. Um, California kid, sort of a more traditional, what they call like a two uh, two guy nose guard or nose tackle, mm-hmm. um, similar that we've seen this year to say a Jalil Taylor or uh, the year before maybe even an Aaron Crawford. Not saying that either of those guys are at the level that Aaron Crawford was, but that sort of your play style, that sort of your body type that you're looking at reopened that um, commitment with Texas A&M, and there are a few schools already in contact. Uh, Penn State and Maryland offered uh, the same day that he decommitted, so obviously there are two names in there, but seeing, you know, some some uh, some buzz from Auburn, seeing some buzz from Tennessee, some Florida, but then from North Carolina, mm-hmm. and it's really been led by uh, the North Carolina commits from what it looks like. 
Um, you, you'll see guys, you know, on social media and various places reaching out and sort of expressing their interest. And then it was a situation in which the staff already had um, at least some communication. There had been, right. you know, some communication about that prior. It's just, you know, with the California TID, it, it, it's somewhat of a difficult recruitment being on the other side of the country. Yep. North Carolina typically does not recruit that nationally. Um, outside of a few exceptions so you know it wasn't really recruitment went that far the first time but you know it's here on the table this time and we've discussed multiple times sort of the potential interest at least from our perspective uh, that we feel that North Carolina could or should have in adding an additional nose guard and here's one right here available so it's going to be really interesting to see sort of how they push over um, the next you know the next few weeks and months he is looking to commit on January 6th, I believe he announced that today and looking to be a late signee mm-hmm. in the February signing period. So obviously quite a bit of time looking to commit, you know, over the next month. And then we'll take that recruitment probably throughout the next month after that until he signs in February. But um, just one to watch, definitely, I'd say. And um, I, I would like North Carolina to get interested, just to give my personal opinion on it. Um, like we've mentioned, you know, it would be it, its position at defensive line where, you know, we've seen additions over the year, but it's its position where you can never add too much. And it's its right. position that they're also going to look into in, in 2022, as we've discussed a little bit. So, you know, if there is an availability and he feels like or if the staff rather feels like that he's worth that scholarship, I actually absolutely think that uh, this is a recruitment that they should push and, you know, try to get that virtual visit and show him sort of, you know, Here's the reason. Here's what Carolina is, and here's what the uh, the opportunity could mean to you. The reason that it's worth talking about ultimately is because of the time that is left in in his recruitment. Um, I think you know we saw, as you mentioned, a lot of the guys that are committed in this class for Carolina already have been the ones pushing for him, and I think that you know a lot of these guys are sitting at home, kind of like us during these game days, and they're seeing the same thing that we're seeing that. You know, this group, you know, defensively, there's some promise here. There's guys on the back end to be excited about. There's guys at linebacker to be excited about. There's guys on the defensive line to be excited about. But that's the area where Carolina still has some question marks, especially depth-wise, especially size-wise. Victory Vaca would come in, would help you there. Again, this is a guy that's a three-star recruit. Um, You know, another high-end guy, though. Another high-end three-star guy inside the top 500. Very similar to... To where Clyde Pinder was ranked a year ago. And, you know, again, I, I haven't watched him quite as much. He was a guy that was a little bit under the radar when we talked about Clyde last year. Clyde was a guy that Car- they we, we knew Carolina was one of the two finalists for him for a while. It was them in Florida, and of course it came down to signing day. But, you know, Vaca is a guy that definitely has the talent. Like you said, two-gap guy. That's what Carolina really is looking for in this defense. They need more of those types of guys on the interior of their defense, especially with the type of scheme that they like to run. It's a you know pretty much a version of a 2-4-5 is pretty much what it is. Um, you know, you got guys on the outside, sometimes they'll put their hands in the dirt, but it's pretty rare. Um, so you need those guys that can sort of fill a lot of space, fill it quickly, fill it effectively, and have the strength to be able to handle themselves against guards and centers inside, which is what Vaca can do. Now, I think, like you mentioned, there is some concern about, okay, he's from the state of California. 
it's Carolina team that travels out to California to get recruits. It's it's rare. It's I'm going to be honest with you. It is rare. But there's a guy from a couple years ago that Carolina went out to California and they did it rather late in the early signing period and ended up landing him. That was Don Chapman. So, of course, people have to remember that anything's possible. There are connections that Carolina has. Um, you know, they have been in communication with them. This staff, look, they know that that's a position that they probably need to add at. And this class, again, uh, you know, I, I understand that maybe on some some levels people think, okay, this the staff didn't value this enough in this class or whatever. Uh, no, the staff valued that in this class. Uh, you know, you had an in-state guy in Peyton Page who they knew they were going to be fighting an uphill battle with for the most part. He also dropped down some of the recruiting boards. A lot of the guys in the recruiting class really didn't get along with him. So there were a lot of things that kind of put Carolina behind the eight ball in that recruitment. We know they were pushing hard for Tyrion and Ingram Dawkins. They were hoping that potentially Kobe Paysauer transferring there would help them out. Really didn't. He ends up going to Georgia. Tyleek Williams for a while they were pushing for. So Carolina made some they made an effort to get some of these guys to commit to this class at defensive tackle. It just really wasn't there. Um, but I, I mean look, if, if there's an opportunity here, if there's room on the roster, I I definitely think uh, that Carolina will potentially try to make a push for Vaca, but the main thing that you'll have to keep an eye on with this is he's, you know, he was a guy that before he committed to Texas A&M, he had been around a lot. He had taken other visits, stuff like that. He has not been to Carolina, so if Carolina can get him to visit by himself, then that would be huge. That would mean that Carolina really has a chance here. If he doesn't end up visiting, it seems highly unlikely that he's going to commit to Carolina, especially with the fact that he's taking extra time in his recruitment. That'll mean that he'll have the time to go out and visit places if he wants to. So that's the main thing to keep an eye on when it comes to those two guys. Um, you know, ultimately, I, you know, this will be the last thing we'll do with these two guys, and then we'll go ahead and move on to the 2022 class. But when you talk about these two guys, Zach, if you're looking forward, do you think ultimately Ultimately, either of these two guys are part of Carolina's 2020 class, or 20, yeah, 2021 class. Excuse me. As of right now, I really can't put a solid you know, percentage on either of them joining mm-hmm. for a few reasons. Um, it has been reported, um, you know, around the time that George Wilson initially committed to South Carolina, that Trevion Stevenson was sort of um, near the staff's internal rankings of where Wilson was, if not above. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. That's just what some have reported. Um, so with that, you know, they've already somewhat filled that requirement, and they already have a good number of guys in here. And as you mentioned, they do get Tyron Hopper back. Generally, um, we have not seen this staff recruit guys that have committed elsewhere and decommitted um, in those situations. That's not something that they generally do. Not saying that they can't. It's just not been the factor that we've seen so far, not that we've seen a ton of um, decommitments and recommitments in terms of guys that they pursued, but that's just not been the case. And as we've mentioned, uh, Auburn does have some significant buzz. They're Auburn, everyone knows sort of the, the mm-hmm. profile of that program. So it makes sense, you know, if he wants to go there and they want it, that that would be the commitment. It's not out of the blue. Um, regarding Vaca, like you mentioned, has it been to campus? Is there going to be a great opportunity for him to do so? I don't know, unless he wants to fly from California to North Carolina within the next month during a national pandemic. Um, I, I don't really know. 
you know, I, I do know that he is looking to take vir- virtual visits at places, including in North Carolina. State. Right. That is another that option. One, yeah. That might be one of the rare situations in which he just doesn't have an opportunity to visit other places, mm-hmm. even though he has, like you mentioned, been places before and would make a decision as based on that. But it's just a rare, rare situation. And there's really just not as much intel about this recruitment right now. It, he opened it up and he yep. seems, at least based on social media, very open to really any opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, that can come his way, including North Carolina. So with Wilson, I feel it seems like it's going to be one of the other two. It seems like Auburn or potentially Florida State, maybe North Carolina pushes. And with Vaca, it, it's really just that our commits, or North Carolina's commits rather, on social media have pushed for it. So as of right now, I'm not predicting either one of the class. I would be happy if either one or both wanted to join. But it, it's really sort of a situation to watch over the next few weeks. But I wouldn't say that either would be expected commits at this time. Yeah, I agree with you on 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 Vaca for sure. I think that that's uh, kind of one of those pipe dreams that you know the the. the guys in the class already kind of have um and like you said i mean you know going virtual visits that's an option but it's still not the same as being on campus so it'll be interesting uh, to see but yeah he is uh he's very open it seems like at this point to just about anybody so uh, that could be one of those ones that even after signing day could be very interesting uh for him to see you know if he ends up liking where he's going if not could be in the transfer portal sooner rather than later but um is a name that again keep an eye on it that's one that you shouldn't really be overly focused on I'm I'm a little bit uh, I'm a little bit more confident in where Carolina stands with with Wilson than you are um you know I think that the history that Carolina has with him is big but I think the other thing that's really important about his commitment and we're going to talk about the 22 class here in just a second but there's a guy in the class in Tavon Holloway who it goes to the same high school as he does um, over there at Green Run High School in Virginia Beach. And they seem pretty confident that they would like to play with each other somewhere. Um, that they, they think that that could be an option. Carolina seems like the best place for that right now. Both guys have an offer there. Holloway is very, very high on Coach Dre Bly and the University as a whole, really, you know, when he ended up announcing that he was going to uh, set his date and commit uh, a couple of weeks ago, there were a lot of people that have Carolina as the heavy favorite, and that still stands to this day. Um, so that's an interesting factor, I think, in in Wilson's commitment. I feel like you know Auburn is is probably still the favorite. We've seen a lot of crystal balls go for them. Uh, that's a really good spot. That was one of the teams that was uh, you know very competitive. Actually, had his commitment for a while. Uh, Trenton Simpson, the inside linebacker or uh, outside linebacker uh, in the 2020 class that Carolina was trying to flip at the time. Of course, he eventually ended up flipping to Clemson, but um, Auburn has been a team that's been able to come in and wreak havoc on the defensive side of the football at times in the most recent recruiting classes because of how successful they've been at putting guys in the NFL, playing in the SEC. So I think that's going to be a big factor there. I'm, I'm not really sure about Florida State where they stand um you know whenever they show up in a recruitment at this point it's very hard to gauge how interested prospects are with them because i feel like again we're kind of in the same spot that we were even last year with florida state where there are questions about whether or not mike norvell will make it through this offseason 
or at least next offseason. I don't know if they're going to give up on him after one year, um, but there have been problems from the beginning with him on campus. Of course, we remember you know him saying that he had the meeting with uh, with everybody, uh, every player uh, during the pandemic to sort of check up on them, go over some protocol stuff like that. Marvin Wilson, the big defensive tackle, came out basically said he lied about that. They ended up having a meeting. Everything was calmed. But since then, everything has been up and down. That program is just all over the place. It's still a complete mess. So I find that you know interesting that he has Florida State in there. But I think Auburn and, and Carolina right now are the two teams that are going to be battling it out uh, for his commitment. Now, I mentioned that Tavon Holloway is a guy that is you know potentially a big part of his recruitment. Holloway released his top six a couple of weeks ago and also said the date for his commitment, which is going to be December 25th. So he'll let all of the stuff from uh, er the early signing period sort of clear, let the dust settle, and then a week after the early signing period closes, he will make his commitment. It is Carolina, Penn State, Pittsburgh, Florida State, Virginia Tech, and Maryland as his final six. And another big guy from the state of Virginia. As we told you, this is a big state for Carolina in the 2022 class. Tychone Chapman, the four-star wide receiver, he set his top five. Did not set a date, but did say that he is planning to, quote, end his recruitment soon. That's all we know. We don't have a date or anything like that. But a lot of people are of the belief that if Holloway was to commit to Carolina, that could be another stepping stone for Carolina towards being able to land him. It's the Tar Heels. Penn State once again is in there. Maryland also in there as well. Florida State the same. And then Alabama. So this feels like sort of a you know two guys that could end up pairing well together two guys that are very closely tied to Dre Bly and to the program as a whole and could be good building blocks to the 2022 class um, you know you you look at both of these guys Zach in the 2022 class both guys highly ranked prospects both four stars um, and and both guys that I think could be you know really good starts for Carolina in the in the 2022 class ultimately do you think that one one, or, one of these two, or maybe potentially even both, will commit to Carolina here in the near future. I absolutely do, and I think if you watch where the crystal balls and uh, the future cast, if you're you know more of a rivals user, they're really the predictions that we've seen from uh, recruiting insiders on both of these guys have been very favorable to North Carolina. Mm -hmm. uh, Holloway, in particular, has gone even on record as naming North Carolina his favorite. So I think that both of these guys, uh, North Carolina is in a very good position for, if you look sort of over their favorites list, um, Chapman does have Alabama, so obviously that carries some prestige, but I have not heard a whole bunch right. um, regarding you know that pairing. So you look at North Carolina compared to really any school on both of those lists, with the exception of an Alabama for obvious reasons. And, you know, it, North Carolina looks to be a pretty attractive option over a lot of those schools. Yep. You'll have a Maryland or a Penn State or Virginia Tech, all three schools that aren't exactly uh, having the best of seasons. Florida State comes up on one, if not both of those lists. We've already discussed them. Um, so, you know, sort of the, the schools that are more local, your Virginias, your Penn State, your Maryland, uh, really are not having the best time right now uh, in terms of their seasons or in terms of their overall program health, where you see North Carolina, like you mentioned, is really making a push within the state of Virginia and, you know, is having success and has had success over the past few years, um, 
primarily spearheaded by the addition of Dre Bly to the staff. I mean, you look just of names on the roster. You've got Cameron Kelly and, of course, you know, former five-star Tony Grimes. And then in the 2021 class, like you mentioned, uh, did get Travion Stevenson and are still recruiting George Wilson. So, I mean, there's more and more connections with the state of Virginia uh, to the University of North Carolina, just specifically in that Tidewater area. And, you know, those two aren't the only ones that they're in the running for within the 2022 class. To name a few other names, uh, running back George Petaway mm-hmm. uh, would be one to look at. Um, a little bit more of a long shot, a five-star offensive tackle, Zach Rice. Um, and then safety, uh, Sherrod Koval out of the Chesapeake area is another name to keep in mind. So, you know, there's going to be quite a few Virginia names that North Carolina is going to be heavily at the mix for. And uh, it, it's really going to be a important state, um, probably second, of course, to the in-state commits of North, or in-state targets of North Carolina. But it's going to be a big deal in the 2022 cycle. Yeah, I, that's the other thing. Like you said, you know, they, it's it's spread out throughout the state of Virginia. Um, you know, throughout many different positions, Carolina is definitely a team that's gaining a resume there. Um, Part of that is you land Tony Grimes, the number one player in the state in 2021. And again, Virginia is a state where, uh, you know, they don't have the biggest population. It's not going to be quite the same as going into Florida, going into Georgia, even going into North Carolina uh, for out-of-state teams or for Carolina keeping guys in-state in terms of the just volume of guys that are there. But there's still a lot of talent in the state of Virginia. We've seen that for a long time. And Carolina's always had a pretty decent footprint in Virginia, but they've really just gotten the leftovers from the state. Now you're seeing them compete for these guys. You said, look, Zach Rice, a long shot. I don't think it's that big of a long shot. He's a guy that's, you know, this year alone, he's been to three Tar Heel games. And again, any other year you would say, okay, well, how big really is that? This year, that's huge. The fact that he's able to get on campus as often as he has been. Now, granted, one of the games was on the road against Virginia, but to still, you know, be around, uh, you know, he was around Tony Grimes' dad, who has a really great relationship with him. I think that's really helping Carolina in this recruitment, in, in his recruitment, and really in in everybody's recruitment, because it seems like those Virginia guys all really have a really great relationship. Um, and, you know, I think that there's a chance that if Carolina can come away with even three or four guys out of that state in this class, that would be huge. Now, again, the numbers on aren't big, but you look at the guys that we're talking about, Zach Rice, five-star, George Petaway, uh, four-star, Tyshawn Chapman, four-star, Tavon Holloway, four-star, Sherrod Covell, four-star. All these guys are highly ranked players, so that's why it's important for Carolina to be able to land these guys and then fill in the rest of the spots with some of those guys from North Carolina that may not be as highly ranked, but might fit what you're looking for. There's still some big guys, as you mentioned, in the state of North Carolina, um, especially you know on that defensive line where, again, Carolina will be looking to continue to add bodies down there and add talent, especially at defensive tackle. But they've got to be able to take care of business in the state of Virginia, continue to establish their footprint there. And both of those guys would be great starts and seem like they could be heading in that direction. So that wraps it up for this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Of course, want to thank Zach for hosting with me. Uh, tell you know, Always tell you guys, head over to the website, heeltoughblog.com. Coming down the home stretch of the season, 
season. Uh, of course, you know, uh, tomorrow, uh, we're recording this on Thursday night, but tomorrow we're putting this out on Friday. Um, so tomorrow night's game, or tomorrow afternoon's game, excuse me, against Western Carolina. There's plenty of stuff on the website for that. We've got the preview up there, uh, as well as the recap, trench report, and stock report, which will follow after the game is over. So make sure that you guys are keeping an eye out for that. We've got a bunch of recruiting stuff up on the website as well. You can go back, read the article about Bryson Nesbitt's commitment. We break down uh, his recruitment overall, tell you what he'll bring to this class a little more in-depth than what you heard here tonight. Uh, And then, of course, uh, we turn our focus uh, towards signing day. We will have you covered on National Signing Day or the first of the National Signing Days on December 16th. That's the main day when everybody is going to sign. Um, Of course, as we mentioned, George Wilson is going to hold off to the final day of signing day. So we'll have you covered with all of that. But that main day, we'll have you covered uh, with all of the faxes as they come in, as we always do here. There'll be some other really cool stuff. We're going to try to get, uh, you know, some some guys to come on, do some interviews with us, stuff like that. So a lot of really exciting stuff coming up on the recruiting trail as well. Uh, So make sure that you are looking for that on the Heel Tough blog website. As for the podcast, again, make sure you guys, uh, you know, if you're watching the video, uh, like and follow the Facebook page. That's, uh, you know, it allows you to get notifications for whenever we are premiering a video. Of course, you guys can go back, watch the preview that me and Josh did for the Western Carolina game. Um, there's some other really great uh, additions to the podcast as well that you guys can go back and check out. Um, and then, of course, uh, if you are listening, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Rating and reviewing helps us move up some of those recruiting rankings, which is uh, recruiting rankings, excuse me, uh, the podcast rankings. Um, been talking about recruiting so much, but uh, yeah, it'll help move up the podcast rankings so that people that haven't quite found us just yet can find the podcast, listen to all of this great stuff and all the great stuff that we're going to have for you guys throughout the offseason, even after the season is over. And then the subscribe button, that's for you. Whenever you hit that, if you, you know, whatever podcast player you listen to us on, whether it's uh, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, any of those, this will go right into your podcast library so that you guys can make sure that you don't miss an edition of the podcast. So once again, want to thank Zach for hosting with me. want to thank you guys for watching and listening. And as always, go Tar Heels!